0: Helping you unwind after a long day of work. I think he's kind of a boob. Can't really take the days off as a person. Can't go out there and be a moron. It doesn't work like right that. The nightcap. We're eating your fruit on WGR Sports Radio five fifty. It's the night. It's the nightcap. Jody DiBiase and Kyle Powell here on WGR. we got a brief nightcap tonight. Sabres pregame starts in just about 20 minutes from now. Sabres at Blackhawks tonight, 830 puck drop at the United Center in the Windy City. And they have not won there since uh, 2007 when I was 13. So, Sabres coming up pregame. You'll hear from Casey Nelson. Uh, you'll hear from Brandon Montour and as well the head coach. Phil Housley, Brian Cozio takes over in just a little bit. Um, Yeah, so that's been kind of a thing today, that it's been 12 years since the Sabres won in Chicago. And, you know, the last time these two teams played, the Sabres were still very much in the race, and the Blackhawks kind of weren't. And that's changed a bit. Chicago's got a chance. They're probably not going to make it out West. They more had a chance anyway because the West has just been so bad. So bad, really, this year. I mean, the final playoff spot, looking like an 84, 85, 86-point team, which is really low for past seasons. And the Sabres are way out of it now. So we're at that point. We're at that point where we've been in the past couple seasons where we're thinking about, Future stuff, and we're thinking about college free agents and prospects that are down in Rochester that you might want to see before the end of the season up here. And that's kind of where we have landed for the fifth straight season here in the in Buffalo. I got an article out at WGR550.com. It's kind of coming off the points that I've been making the past couple days here on the nightcap that I want to see some more of that kind of change in the bottom six of the roster before the end of the year, before you're out of the race and before there's really no downside to doing it. Because there is upside to doing it. And when I say it, I mean dropping guys out of your bottom six that are replaceable players and you shouldn't really be worried about losing. Is Johan Larson better than Sean Malone and Rasmus Asplund? Yeah, he probably is. But how much are you really missing out on if you waived him and someone claimed him? That's why they're replaceable players. And I just think that this should be the beginning right here of these last 15 games of the end for a couple of guys in lesser roles on your team. Um, This offseason, I'm not really going to be about the big trade. I'm not going to be thinking about who can I move off of this roster and that can come in and really make a difference right away. Who can do that? Who can do that right away next year? Who's next year's Jeff Skinner? Uh, Who's my reverse Ryan O'Reilly trade? Who can I bring in like an O'Reilly to come into my team and perform for me right away? And I really think that that's not the – I don't think it's going to be the proper course of action. I don't want to overreact to that. And that's going to be tough because you are going to be sitting here for the fourth or fifth straight off season and thinking not thinking about the playoffs watching them happen watching great hockey because the playoffs is always awesome and again they won't be part of it and you're going to want change and I'm going to want change I think you got to give this whole thing one more year the core players the coaching staff, the GM, at least one more year. Two of those groups, I would definitely say more than that. The core players in place, like the real core, Eichel, Reinhardt, Dahlien, Middlestadt. None of those guys are going anywhere after next season. And there's kind of that secondary core. And right now, that would probably mostly consist of Rasmus Ristolainen. This kind of happened with O'Reilly last year. As the season winded down, what a lot of us thought was, hey, I just don't know what they're going to do. That's where I was at. I didn't know what I wanted the Sabres to do in terms of making a move. And ultimately where a lot of us landed and where the team ultimately landed was they were going to make a big move and move on from Ryan O'Reilly, whether because of culture stuff, or problems that might have been going on in the locker room, or some sort of mystery beef that he may have may or may not have had with Jack Eichel, or his comments at the end of the season when he talked about losing his love for the game, and we all just kind of found one path. He had to go. O'Reilly's the trade you gotta make, and tr- O'Reilly's the trade that you can make. And they did it. And sitting here today, it's, it's not really looking like a very good deal. And even at the time, it was hard to get super excited for that trade. If everything went perfect, then it would have worked out well for the Sabres. You would have had your second-line center, respectable second-line center, and Patrick Berglund, who could have held down the fort until Casey Middlestat was ready to take that role on for himself. You got the first-round pick which, you know, maybe could be in the teens, maybe could be a little higher, and if they keep it, maybe the Blues won't be that good, like they weren't to start this season, and then next year could be really good. That hasn't come to fruition. And then you have Sabotka, who is just a cap dump that St. Louis wanted off their roster. And you can totally see why this season. Why do I want to make that type of trade again? That is just change for the sake of change at the top. Because when it comes to it right now, did they really change up the culture? Did they change up the locker room that much? Maybe they, maybe they did. Maybe they did. But I think this year should be some sort of evidence that you only get so much better if you make a sweeping change in those areas. The big change on the ice comes from on-ice production. And that's ultimately what matters most. And anything that could be said about Ristolainen, about his analytics, which is fair, to bash him for that because they're not good, they're fair to an extent, or anything else. I just don't, it does not scream this is a good idea to me. And I think that's ultimately where a lot of fans are going to end up with. They w- they're they going to want to see change, and you're not going to want to trade a lot of the big guns on the team. And he's a big gun, but he's kind of in the lower end of it. Because he's something you would get something for. I'd rather they just change out the bottom six. I'd rather you just say goodbye to Larson Girgensons, even though they've had decent seasons. They're restricted free agents, and I think I can do at least as good as them. On a third, fourth line. It, to be fair, I I should be able to find Larsons and Jurginsons. If I'm worried about not being able to replace that level of play, then I need a new general manager. And I think they have a GM that can find that stuff. He traded a really low pick for Scott Wilson last year. I think Scott Wilson's fine. He's fine. As a fourth line guy. I had no problem with him on my team on my lineup, day in, night in and night out. I think C.J. Smith would be fine in that role if you had to. I would want more from him, considering the production he's done in Rochester. But if I needed to at some point, can he be a fourth-line player? I think so. I think so. And we just don't see opportunities for other guys because we've had the same types of players in place in that bottom six. That's where I want to see the sweeping change. And that's not something that's going to make you 20 points better in the standings next year. It's not. But then again, I'm not getting rid of a talented player off my team. Because a lot of times what happens, especially it seems in small markets, when teams aren't performing well and there's somebody that's got to be blamed, when you're looking at the players, the guys that often get blamed are the guys that produce. And I don't, I know, you kind of know why that happens, but I think in a lot of instances it's just wrong to do that. You can point at Jack Eichel right now and say, hey, he's only been a part of losing teams. So, he's the leader. He's the best player on losing teams. It's got to fall on him, right? Like Logically, that almost makes sense, but it's just so wrong. And on a lesser level, we do that with guys. We did that with O'Reilly last season. And then when the Sabres started off hot, what did we attribute it to? We attribute it to the fact that O'Reilly was no longer on the roster. Oh, look, the Sabres are first place in the NHL. Ten-game win streak. And there's O'Reilly over in St. Louis, and he's in third last in the league. I guess there was something to all of his attitude problems. No. Sabres were just getting saves, and they had a really high shooting percentage in that win streak. And they won close games. And the Blues were kind of the opposite. The Blues have been a decent possession team all season. The Blues have been a decent team when it comes to high danger scoring chances all season. They haven't been elite. They haven't been one of the best teams in the league. By no means am I saying they're some Stanley Cup contender. But they're a good team. They're a playoff team. And they're proving it right now. There's no reason to make that type of trade again. Because right now... They could very like they would be better with Ryan O'Reilly on the roster. What's the thing they're missing most on the ice? They are missing a center behind Jack Eichel that can score 60 points. They're missing good possession numbers when that first line of Eichel Skinner Reinhardt comes off. Or when it's Eichel Skinner Palmadville. They're missing teams that can drive a line that can drive the play. They are missing a guy that can allow Casey Middlestat to really not be put into position that he has been put in at some points this year. And then, you know, there's nights where you don't want to give Middlestat 18 minutes a night. There's times where he's not having a great game. You don't want to rush him into controlling the puck on a power play unit. And there are ulterior options this year have been. Centermen who you know are not going to give you offense. In Saboka, in Larson. I mean, thank God for Evan Rodriguez switching to center early in the year. Because if they didn't have him, they would be one of the worst teams in the league down the middle. And I'm not saying Rodriguez is some bona fide second-line center, but he's at least stabilized, I think, some sort of skill down the middle, past Eichel. Somebody that maybe could create and could play on the power play. They found him to do it. But the other guys don't really get the opportunity further down in the in the system because we've got veteran players in our bottom six. The good teams seem to always have young mid-round picks, undrafted guys, that they plug into their bottom six and they keep going. I, I mentioned this example last night. Pittsburgh seems to always siphon through, cycle through, young guys that they got from UFA, college markets, or they drafted late. And you know why I know they've done that? Because the Sabres have like five of them. Wilson's in their lineup right now. Sherry, after he was moved off Crosby's line, was a bottom six winger there. He's here now. On the blue line, Hunwick was a third pair defenseman for them. He's here now. No, no, the Sabres bottom six seems to always be either high draft picks that didn't work out, or high prospects that once had hope that didn't work out, or they are overpaid free agents that didn't work out, overpaid veterans. Why does it seem that their role players always seem to qualify as one of those two categories? Because eventually, and this is not on Bottrell, this is really more on the previous GMs. Because ultimately, the way that a team should be built is you hit on those first-round picks, you hit on those free agent signings, those guys make out your most important roles, and that allows the opportunity for the feel-good story guy to become your third or fourth-line players. You're Rodriguez. You're Evan Rodriguez's of the world. That's a feel-good story. That's an undrafted college-free agent that made his way into the league through Boston University and then through the Rochester Americans. Nobody drafted him, and what happened? He ended up here. That's the guys that need to make out those role-playing roles, and it really hasn't happened. We consistently have the overpaid guys. We consistently have the first-round picks or the high prospects, Larsons, the Giergensons, um, or we have somebody else's big contract that they didn't want. That seems to always make up these roles, and then it pushes up people to the top that should not be in those positions. we we'll get to pregame in one second. We'll quickly get a call on the line. Tony, you got about 30 seconds. What's up, Tony? Hi, how you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Uh, I disagree. I, I think Larson and Gurgensons for as much as everybody hates them, they're not making a lot of money right now. Uh, granted, you know, uh, Gurgensons was a high pick, but he's not making much money. These guys are playing defensive roles. They're, that's why they're not scoring a lot. Uh, you know, they're putting their body out on the line. They're blocking shots. I don't think that's the problem with the team. I think we've lost some toughness. We lost Felino. And I think if everybody's talking about losing the rest of the line Linen, you're going to lose a lot of toughness there. And I don't want to see this team turn into... You know, a bunch of skaters. You know, look at Washington. Granted, Washington's got a lot of guys that can... Look at Washington, Tony. They just won the Stanley Cup eight months ago. You've got Scott Wilson. Uh, Scott Wilson hits like a truck. A bench in their star. Tom Wilson. That's plenty defensive, too. Dude, t- Tony, man, I-, I get where you're coming from, but th- that is not why the Washington Capitals won the Stanley Cup. They won the Stanley Cup because they have an elite center in Kuznetsov. They have an elite scorer in Alex Ovechkin. They have an elite defenseman in John Carlson. They have an elite goaltender in Braden Holpe. You know why they won the Cup? Because they have elite players. They have talent all over the roster. That's why they won the Cup. They didn't win it because Tom Wilson was battling hard in the corners. Like, there is a place for that guy, but. I don't know. If you're walking around thinking that the Sabres aren't good right now because they lost Marcus Foligno, then I don't think you're seeing the real issues. I see them battle hard in the corners. Larson, Jorgensen, like they seem to always have the puck with work along the boards this year. It only matters so much if you never score off of it. Ever they got three players right now that consistently play in their bottom six. Saboka, Larson, Girgensons. they have 12 goals in 177 combined games. And I know they're not supposed to score, but I'm supposed to get something from those guys at some point. Those guys that are playing down there. And I don't know, if you're thinking Marcus Foligno is the problem or not being here is one of the problems and not a player like Ryan O'Reilly, Like I just think they miss him more than anybody. That's a 60-point player you could have plugged in, and they're on the ice. That's what they're missing. They're missing a guy who might win the Selkie. Thanks for the call, though, Tony. All right, we'll get to pregame after this. Thanks, everybody, for listening. You can catch our brief show on demand at WGR550.com. Sabers pregame. Up next, Brian Cozio will take over. Stay tuned to hear from Casey Nelson, Brandon Montour, and Sabre head coach. Phil Housley, we're just over an hour away from puck drop in Chicago for Sabres and Blackhawks. This has been the Nightcap, Jody Biassi, and Kyle Powell here on WGR. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader.